Y'all get ready to put y'all up on something, man. Yo, when you see something ill, you know what I mean? That's woke. Anything ill you see is woke. Have me with big six at the club, that's woke. Especially if you got the fully equipped kid on it, it's woke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yo, I had this bad chick up there, she was woke. Had me messed up in the head, I mean. Bought the chick diamonds and pearls, I mean. Should've seen the ice shining on the wrist. Now money ain't the bottom, see my dough is like. Pull out my bankroll on y'all dudes like. Lost the blue strip from two tips like. Money on the beat, my blueprints, I'm like. Had to hit the brake on y'all brothers like. Brothers getting bagged on my block like. Come on home within a half an hour like. Fun like they had the manpower like. More or less, more so I rip it all so I live the fast life. Come through with the car slow like. My people like though, like though, like though, like though, like though, like though. What is up, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Turn on the Just Digital Presents Draft Season. We are the four horsemen of the TOJ draft coverage. I am D.A. Osorio, joined as always by James Coons, Michael Megan, and Joe Billick. And we are, by the time you hear this, one day away from the NFL draft where all the Jets' fortunes will change because we are drafting the next Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> James, I'll start with you. How are you feeling, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Joe, how about you? How are you feeling? doing great last pod before the draft i'm pumped man there you go meegs meeg mill meeg millie next time i'm gonna play some meek mill for you man it just tosses you how you feeling yeah no it'd be much better i'll recognize that music much quicker but i'm doing good doing good yeah yeah that's good awesome yeah and for all of you that don't know that was black rob and what i mean don't know that is for the young folks like james who are listening to us um so instead of you guys know our normal spiel seven rounds of draft talk but we are going to hit you with a TOJ draft season first round mock. All of us were assigned divisions and we all drafted and traded for the first round. And keep in mind, we did what we think these general managers are going to do, not what we would do for them. So if you have any angry emails, send them to the Mickey Loomises of the world. Do not send them to us. So let's jump right in. Uh, so we started off with probably the two the two easiest uh, picks in this in this entire draft, it was the Jaguars at one and the Jets at two. Meigs, who did you take first for the Jaguars? Did you throw us a curveball? No, uh, I took Trevor Lawrence. They lost 15 games in a row to take him. Urban Meyer came out of retirement to coach him. Like, there's not more much to be said. QB1, fantastic quarterback. If Trevor Lawrence busts, I'm going to think it's because of the Jaguars, not him. There we go. James, you had you were on the clock with the Jets at two. Did you throw a curveball for the folks who were still holding on to the Justin Fields dream? I did not. I did not. Um, you know, we're slowly moving on. Um, it's Zach Wilson time in New York. So I did, in fact, take Zach Wilson. So I was on the clock with the 49ers at three. And while I was tempted to take Justin Fields, I opted to go with Trey Lance, the quarterback from North Dakota State. I think with them keeping Jimmy Garoppolo, I think there's a there's a situation there where Trey Lance can sit for a year. And I can't name one receiver that Trey Lance threw to, but being in San Francisco, that's not going to be a problem with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So I took Trey Lance at three. Meeks, you had the Falcons at four. W which direction did you go? I mean, I want it like it's hard to not take Kyle Pitts. But Georgia kid, Justin Fields, heir apparent, make that transition. You can probably trade Matt Ryan for his first pick in the offseason of next year. And it costs 
more to keep him than if you trade him, even with even though with the dead cap. So I took Justin Fields. Love it. I love it. So see, guys, we didn't even make Justin Fields fall that far. And in our mock draft so far, we have four quarterbacks going in the fir- in the first four picks. And I will tell you, I think that that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm not saying the Falcons are going to keep that pick, but I think four quarterbacks go in the top four. Joe, you were picking for Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. And did you make the land proud? Did you make well the natty proud? Not the land, the natty. Did you make the natty proud? I, I hope so. Well, you know, some people might want Kyle Pitts or, or Jamar Chase or another playmaker. But they have T. Higgins coming into the second year. Uh, Tyler Boyd is already a pretty savvy receiver himself. And right now, the most pressing issue for the Bengals is protecting Joe Burrow and keeping him clean coming off that ACL surgery. Yes, they signed Riley Reese, but he's 33 years old, and that's not nearly enough to keep Burrow upright and to overcome the 30th-ranked offensive line in 2020, according to PFF. So I have to take the best overall prospect up front, and that's offensive tackle Penny Sewell at 330 pounds, this guy moves like a gazelle and hits like a truck. So I'm happy to say Joe can finally come out of his burrow um, and out of hiding because he'll have the protection he needs. Well, at least on the outside anyway, the interior still needs some work, but I think this is a smart pick for the Bengals and the way to go. And it allows you to move Jonah Williams to right tackle, right? Which I think, which I think is big. I think, I think not having to play him at left tackle is, 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 is going to save Joe Burrow. Uh, we went to the Dolphins at six. James, you had the AFC East. You could have gone in many directions here, right? You could have drafted the replacement for Tua, both in real life and here. But what, what way did you go for the Dolphins? Well, I added a generational receiver prospect in Jamar Chase. Um, somebody who had incredible success as a sophomore in college um, and really set the NCAA on fire. He toasted AJ Terrell. Um, and, you know, overall, I think they're trying to figure out ways they can help Tua. They have a pretty strong tight end room, which was the reason that I didn't take Kyle Pitts. And I think Jamar can come in right away, play for multiple alignments, and really help Tua. And that's, and I think that's the key, right? I think that's the key for Miami is what can they do for their, you know, left-handed short quarterback? <laughs> you get him a big receiver on the outside. Uh, Meigs, this is, this is you with the Detroit Lions. And I know, no, sorry, Joe with the Detroit Lions. And I, I know there were a lot of, there was a lot of trade talk to move up to seven from a lot of teams, but Joe, you decided to stay at seven. What was your pick? I think when it comes to the Lions, a wide receiver group is in dire straits with both Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones gone. So I would love to add a wide receiver, but Jamar Chase was uh, stolen from me. A little sad. But listen, they have a chance to take the best player on the board, and he doesn't necessarily fill a position of need with TJ Hawkinson here. But I got to take Kyle Pitts, man. You know, pairing up here with uh, maybe, maybe he could help revive Jared Goff's career. Or maybe he could be a Calvin Johnson 2.0 type. I'm going to use him like Calvin. I'm going to use him all over the place. I think that this is kind of a little bit of a dream scenario for a team that really needs explosive playmakers. Kyle Pitts at seven. Let's do it. And there was a lot of talk amongst other GMs that they thought, wow, with TJ Hawkinson, you're really going to go Kyle Pitts. But I love what you said about just honestly giving Jared Goff some more weapons. Uh, There's also talk that the Lions could potentially take a quarterback here, even though they have Jared Goff. But realistically, none of the top four fell. So why would you reach for a quarterback here? All right. We have we have the eighth pick, the Carolina Panthers. Meigs, there was talk of trading up. The Cardinals really wanted to go up to this spot and you took the player they wanted. Who did you take? I mean, build around Sam. It's what Jets Twitter has been talking about for months. Rayshon Slater. 
get Sportify that off offensive line is not good, and Rayshon Slater is going to make it a lot better. Rayshon Slater, if for all of you have been, that have been following me for this long, know that he is my tackle one, and him going at eight to, to protect Sam Darnold. I hope Sam Darnold doesn't ruin him, and I know Jet fans don't want to hear that. Could've Number been nine been was – this could have been us. Number nine was me with the AFC West. I had the Denver Broncos. And again, I was very tempted to take Mac Jones here because I think Drew Locke, I think Drew Locke is not long for this quarterbacking world. And I think that when you look at the Denver Broncos and that offense, they need a better quarterback. And Mac Jones, very similar to how he did at Alabama, wouldn't even have to go past his first read. Just look, see receiver, throw to receiver. But I went defense. I think Vic Fangio goes defense. And I took J.C. Horn at nine, the best corner in this class, even though Meeks thinks it's not him, but it is him. And I went with J.C. Horn at nine. Then at 10, we had our first, our first trade. We had the Arizona Cardinals go up. And now this is a Cardinals team that, again, has it signed A.J. Green to be their fourth receiver, right? But there is no there is nobody on the offensive line other than Kelvin Beecham. So I made a trade up for, with, for the Arizona Cardinals to go up to 10, trade with Dallas, and take Christian Darasaw, who I have as the number two offensive lineman in this class. So now they've solidified the bookends for Kyler Murray with Kelvin Beecham and Christian Darasaw. The next pick. We have the New York Giants, and this is a, a string of back-to-back -back NFC East picks, and we'll go to James for those two picks. Yeah, so the Giants are really going all in on Daniel Jones right here. You know, this is Dave Gellman's legacy. Um, and so in order to give him every opportunity to succeed, the Giants are taking Devonta Smith. Um, he had a historic season as a wide receiver, won the Heisman Trophy, is has upstanding character people rave about him being somebody who really sets the standard for the Alabama program and Dave Gettleman um, you know in all of his uh, you know ignorance and senile glory uh, he will fall in love with that so that's who the Giants took at 11. And that pairs that gives Daniel Jones, Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Devontae Smith, Evan Engram, Saquon Barkley. I don't think there's any young quarterback honestly think I Yes, I don't think there's any young quarterback with the exception of maybe Baker Mayfield that has had that much to work with on offense. Who did you give the Eagles at 12? Okay, so the Eagles, super interesting situation. Um, they have a lot of needs at corner. They also have needs um, along the wide receiver position. Their offensive line was very injured last season. Um, and then in addition to that, um, they also are going to be installing a 12 personnel offense uh, with Nick Sirianni coming in and being the offensive coordinator. But that said, they're in need of explosive playmakers. They drafted Jalen Rager. He was pretty much a flop his first season. So they're going to add another explosive playmaker in Jalen Waddell, somebody who really showcased his skills at the highest level possible in the SEC. Um, you know, we all saw that punt return for a touchdown in the LSU Bama game in 2019 where he was flung one way with a face mask and returned a punt return, you know, 75 yards for a touchdown the other way. An incredible talent, um, somebody who can make an impact right away for the Eagles. And the one thing that you hope is that the Waddle pick works out better than the Rager pick. <laughs> That's what you would hope. Uh, and that, you know, whoever is taking, whoever Howie Roseman doesn't pass on doesn't become the next Justin Jefferson like it did last year. Um, so let's go to the to the next pick. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. That was me. Um, and I took Tevin Jenkins, the to tackle. I think that the 
once Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle went off the board, I think that moved me a little bit because if they had been on the board, I would have taken one of them for Justin Herbert. But instead, I opt to protect Justin Herbert, uh, you know, who had arguably, you know, probably the best single season of any rookie quarterback in, in recent memory. Uh, but I think you got to keep him upright. And I go and opt with a, with a tackle for him. Now we go to the NFC North. And Joe, this is you for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. There was a lot of trade talk here, too. But you decided to stand pat. Uh, and, you know, maybe one day we'll release the, the draft season cut of you refusing to trade with anybody. <laughs> but who do you take at 14 for the Vikings? Yeah, Vikings could go edge here with Everson Griffin being traded last season and Daniel Hunter coming off surgery and being disgruntled with his contract. But Rick Spielman found Daniel Hunter in round three in 2015, and the Vikings selected Everson Griffin in round four when Rick was vice president of player personnel. And I'm confident in his ability to address the position at another time. Right now, with Riley Reef signing with the Bengals, the Vikings possessing the 26th ranked offensive line in 2020, and with players like Ezra Cleveland, Dakota Dozier, and Garrett Bradbury, at the bottom of the league in pressure rate allowed, the offensive line is the biggest concern, especially when you have a quarterback like Kirk who offers nothing in terms of mobility. So with the 14th pick in the 2020 NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Elijah Vera Tucker, a scheme versatile bulldozer who would be a perfect fit in this variant of the Shanahan system they run in Minnesota. And just so folks don't think we're back in 2020, the 2021 NFL draft, but you're good. 15, Mac Jones. This is the, his spot. James, explain how the board broke so beautifully for the Patriots that they could still get the quarterback that they wanted. I mean, I think it's a pretty good fit for both parties. Mac is somebody who comes from a program that Belichick has very close ties to in Alabama. Um, he's somebody who I think kind of embodies the style of quarterbacking that they've had um, for a while, just in terms of that cerebral, not necessarily athletic type player. Um, and um, honestly, I don't think anybody really wants him before the Pats here. Um, you know, I know there's all the smoke screens with the 49ers, but I have a hard time believing that's actually going to happen. So the Pats and Mac Jones are really going to try to make it work for the next few years on his rookie contract. And he gets to sit behind Cam Newton if he's not ready, which, I mean, I think we all have questions about whether he really is ready. <laughs> uh, James, we'll stick with you because the Cowboys traded back to 16 with Arizona. Who did you give the Dallas Cowboys at 16? Yeah, I gave them Patrick Sertain from Alabama. It's a perfect fit. Somebody they would have taken at 10 if they chose to stay there, and he's available now. So perfect situation for them. And then I had, like I said, I had the AFC West, so I had the Raiders here. And I also opt to go corner, but I go Caleb Farley at 17. I think that John Gruden has talked about changing the dynamic of this Raider team, right? And I think he exemplified that by drafting Henry Ruggs, a burner last year. I think he opts to, to draft the fastest corner in, in, in this draft class in Caleb Farley. And I don't think the, the surgery scare him off too much. And the Raiders, honestly, they need they need help at the corner because – as you know, my my GM colleague pointed out, they did draft Arnett last year, but he was not very good last year. And I think Caleb Farley has that ceiling that if you're going to take a swing at a corner this high, you Farley's a guy that you would want to take this high. Uh, we go to pick, we go to pick 18, and this is the Miami Dolphins. This is James with the AFC East. James, who did you go with? You gave to a help in the top in the top six. Did you opt to give him help again, or did you focus on the other side of the ball? I focused on the other side of the ball. I picked somebody who is kind of a no-brainer here, uh, and that's Micah Parsons, a really good linebacker who can make an immediate impact in any defense, and especially for a defensive-minded head coach. It's a really logical pick here. 
My my worry, I will admit, guys, is that is that I would like to keep Parsons away from South Beach. So I would have tried to draft him, you know, somewhere that does not have the nightlife that Miami does. Um, we go to pick 19 here, uh, you know, and this kicked off a mini run. Uh, this actually, you know, continued a run of defensive players for us. James, this is you with Washington. Who did you give another defensive coach in Ron Rivera? Who did you give him? Yeah, so kind of similar needs here. Um, they have a great defensive line but they definitely need to add to the second level of their defense. And that's why I gave them JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Um, somebody who's very versatile, played at the top flight program. And uh, I think he's somebody who can make an immediate impact for their defense. And let me tell you, if they hit on one of Connor Rogers' favorite prospects, actually, you know, if you guys have seen the, the Badlands draft guide, he loves the guy that I've called the Joker. Um, if they hit on him behind Chase Young, Right. That defense, that even that very good defense suddenly could become elite. Uh, and then now we end with the NFC North for right here. Joe, this is you with the Chicago Bears. They have they have Andy Dalton. So their quarterback position is solidified for the next 10 years. There is no quarterback that you want to take at this point, I think. Um, but who did you go with uh, and and why? Who did you go with and why? You mean Davis Mills isn't an option here? <laughs> hey, you want to roll the dice, man. Roll the dice with Big Dave. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, we don't know what's going on with Allen Robinson, so wide receiver is an option. The offensive line could use a boost as well. And, of course, you know Andy Dalton isn't the quarterback of the future, so there are multiple directions they could go. But with Mac Jones and the top five quarterbacks off the board, I think addressing corner after losing Kyle Fuller to the Broncos is the way to go, especially with the player of Greg Newsom's caliber still available. Available. With all these dominant receivers coming into the league, you can never have enough corners. And I'd love to see Greg playing opposite of Jalen Johnson, someone I was very high on in last year's draft. And considering the new defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, is a disciple of Vic Fangio's zone-heavy pass defense, Greg Newsom is really a perfect fit. So with the 20th pick, I'm giving the Bears Greg Newsom, cornerback, Northwestern. Sorry, Jets fans. And for, and for you guys that don't know, Greg Newsom is James's roommate. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not guys. Don't, don't, don't start sending James DMs asking if you could meet Greg Newsom. All right. So we have the, the 21st pick. Now I had the NFC West and I made a bold trade up because this is all, this is all that the Rams do. This is all they do is balls to the wall, aggressive moves. And I made a trade up to go up to 21. Now, as you guys know, the Rams have no first round pick, so you can imagine the cost, but I traded up and I gave the Rams Rashad Bateman, who I think again, Meigs and I, we talked about this, you know, I think like a couple of days ago, the fact that he had COVID last year and it cost him 20 pounds or whatever, or whatever the case was. Right. I think, I think puts up, I think puts a good context on his, on his game tape from last year. But I think you're talking about a guy who's a precise route runner who Matthew Stafford is going to enjoy throwing the ball to. And so I go and get Rashad Bateman at 21. Uh, Meigs, you had the Tennessee Titans. And if there was ever a perfect marriage between player and team, I think this is the one here. Who did you give the Titans? I mean, they tried building back to front, but their secondary is kind of falling apart. Let them go with Dory Jackson, let Logan Ryan left a year ago. So I think after signing Bud Dupree, they're going to give him his partner. And Jalen Phillips is the biggest head swing in the class because he's more talented, but obviously the issues are there. But 22, I think it's worth the value. So I went Jalen Phillips here. And I also have the Colts and give what Chris Ballard always does trade out break. There we go. Exactly. So we had that we we did have we had the the Browns trade up from 26 to 23. James, who is playing the role of Joe Douglas here, got a really good trade back and he said, you know what? I'm jumping out of 23. The Browns go up to 23. Joe Billick, who did you give the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield? 
But wide receiver is definitely an option here. Landry and Odell are both approaching 30 and making $30 million between the two of them. So I'll, I expect they'll move on from one of them sooner than later, possibly even both. Also, Edge is another good option here. They brought in Clowney, but I doubt he's with the Browns pass this year, and he looks like more of a stopgap than anything else. But still, when you have guys like Clowney at one edge and Garrett at the other, a surefire way to get those guys more opportunities to get to the quarterback is to be disruptive up the interior. When you have a dominant interior presence, it can do wonders for the outside edge guys, and, and that relationship can, can work in both ways. So with the 26th pick in the draft, the Cleveland Browns select defensive lineman Christian Barrymore, the athletic pass rushing three technique from Alabama, who will fit really nicely uh, after Sheldon Richardson's release. So the Browns add the Browns add Barmore right there after the Jets trade back, right? So and again, the Jets. I, I think we all can agree that the Jets trading back is a very likely option. I think Joe Douglas wants more picks. I think also. Uh, Meigs and I have been driving the make one pick that night train. And I think that that's probably likely too, but this is step one in trading back. So now we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at 24. Joe, this is also you. You could have gone in many directions. A lot of people believe that this could be running back, but you don't think so. You went with a different player. Yeah, I understand why someone would want a corner here after letting Steven Nelson walk and Joe Hayden being 32 years old. So I get it. You know, corner's a big time need, but offensive line is the bigger issue. They haven't re-signed Villanueva. Looks like he might be going to Baltimore. Marquise Pouncey retired, and they lost Matt Filer to the Chargers in free agency. On top of that, they were the 31st, 31st in run blocking last season, according to PFF, and were last in adjusted line yards, according to football outsiders. So run blocking is a problem. And as much as I'd like to give them Najee Harris to help fix the run game, getting him isn't going to do much if the offensive line can't run block. So I have to go offensive lineman here, especially with Ben playing you know, what could be his final season. With 24th pick, the Steelers select Creed Humphrey. I think he's the perfect fit for this kind of more of a gap-heavy run scheme. And I think that they're going to love him in Pittsburgh. I think he's a really great fit, especially with the fact that, like I said, Marquise Pouncey retired. And and aside from the from the advanced test that, that Joe pointed out, they were also the last team in the league in rushing yards, right? So, like, we're talking about a team that just did not produce up front. And giving the Steelers Najee Harris or Travis Etienne in this, or even Javante Williams, who they've been... It's the Jacksonville Jaguars. Meigs, this is you. Yeah, so Joe kind of took the guy I really wanted for the Jaguars and Christian Barmore. I really only had two players written down. That defense is atrocious. And so I gave them Trayvon Morag, safety one. They have the corners, Shining Shaq Griffin and C.J. Henderson, who they drafted last year. They have the edge rushers, so they can afford to roll the dice on a non-premium position at safety. But Trayvon Morag is a better version of Ronnie Harrison, and I think he fits in really well in this defense. There we go. And with that front seven, right, I think it could it could really help. The Jets were on the clock at 26. However, they also traded back again, traded back with wild boy Mickey Loomis from the Saints. And Meigs, that's you. You traded up from 28 to 26. Uh, who did you take with the Saints? And then and I promise you, Jet fans, the Jets did make another pick in this mock. But Meigs, who did you? I took the ultimate wild card in the draft, and that is Rondell Moore. I think love the athlete, love the player. I think we were trying like they've tried so long to find that compliment to Michael Thomas and I think Rondo Moore is stylistically very different from Michael Thomas and I think Sean Payton wants a new toy to play with and I think he's going to really enjoy Rondell Moore hopefully he stays on the field 
Jameis Winston throwing to Michael Thomas and Rondell Moore. We love to see it, right? We love to see it. So we we were up to pick twenty seven. This is the Baltimore Ravens, their first of two first round picks. Joe, who do you who did you give? Did you give Lamar Jackson another weapon in the past game, or did you draft Orlando Brown's replacement? Uh, you know what, DA? I don't think the offensive line can be ignored with Orlando Brown being traded. And with the 35th first pick, I'm giving the Ravens Alex Leatherwood, offensive tackle from Alabama. Leatherwood is steam versatile, but better suited for a gap-heavy team like the Ravens. He's smart, tough, dominant run blocker who gets pushed at the point of attack and would fit seamlessly into this Ravens offense. And at a fraction of the cost of an Orlando Brown who clearly wanted nothing to do with playing right tackle or under his current contract. Leatherwood could compete with Villanueva. It looks like they might sign him or slot right into any of the guard spots and help shore up an interior line that hasn't been the same since Marshall Yonda retired. Not to mention Leatherwood, as, I, as I've said before, is working with Duke Manyweather at right tackle specifically. And I expect him to be ready to roll on day one. Some might think this is a bit too high for Leatherwood, but I like him in this spot. I think he's going to look really good in that Ravens uniform. Plus they get that fifth year op option on him here as well. So this is the way I'm going. It's protect your quarterback. I love the the point you made about the interior of the offensive line just not being as good without Marshall Yonda. They Matt Skura got hurt last year too, right? Um, they drafted uh, Baysmore from the, the 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 offensive guard, and he also had gotten hurt. And then they lost Ronnie Stanley, which is why they had to play Orlando Brown at left tackle. So some of that I think you'll see with Ronnie Stanley coming back. But him and Leatherwood are really good bookends for Lamar Jackson. I I I really really like that pick. So. We're now up to pick 28, and James did not trade out of this pick. The Jets actually did make a pick. James, who did you pick for the New York Jets? Yeah, so the Jets took Quiddy Pay, the edge rusher from Michigan, and I took him for a few reasons. Number one, he fits what the Jets want in terms of intangibles. He's a high-character dude, fled a civil war, uh, somebody who is very easy to root for. Um, in terms of the actual player himself, Quiddy super interesting because, in my opinion – his you know, talent was inhibited by the fact that he was played all over the line in college um, at Michigan. And so I think if you put him um, in the same place, you know, in this Robert Sala defense, he'll be able to develop more because he's not being asked to be a master of 5,000 different things. So I think with Quiddy Pay, you get somebody who's extremely athletic, number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list for his three cone. Um, somebody who's very powerful um, and Honestly, somebody who could develop into a long-term edge one in the NFL. And you put him and you put him opposite Carl Lawson and just let him feast that first year, right? And I, I think I think you have a guy that you're gonna be very happy with. I think Jet fans are not gonna know what to do with themselves by seeing two guys rush off the edge and get sacks. Um, let's go with the next pick in, in our mock, and it is the Green Bay Packers at 29. Joe Bellick, did you did you Make Aaron Rodgers happy, or is he going to come see you and put hands on you like he has threatened to do when folks don't get him help? <laughs> you know, listen, they lost Corey Lindsley, right, to free agency. You need to protect your quarterback. There's a guy on here that I absolutely love. He has a Mauler's mentality. He looks to crush people. He's scheme versatile. I know he has an injury history, but I'd love to take a chance on him here. I think he's the perfect fit for this offense. I'm going with Landon Dickerson offensive lineman, Alabama. And that may make Aaron Rodgers happy or to make Jordan Love happy whenever he hits the field, right? But I, th I think I think you're right. I think them losing Corey Lindsley is big. Um, we saw how bad that offensive line was when Batari went down too, right? So I, I can see them investing in the offensive line and making sure that Aaron Rodgers is happy. I can't see any other 
position here that they would take other than offensive line. Uh, so let's go to the let's go to the next pick, and it's the Buffalo Bills, the division rival. James, there's been a lot of talk that they are going running back here, and I've said this before on the show. My biggest fear is Josh Allen handing the ball to Najee Harris because it makes that Josh Allen regression seem less and less likely. Who did you give the Buffalo Bills here? Well, there are more than one ways to stave off regression from a quarterback. And what if I told you that the Bills could get a quarterback or a quarterback? <laughs> the Bills could get a uh, wide receiver who produced at the highest level of college football, won against some of the best competition that exists, including J.C. Horn um, and many others, Pat Sertan, and dominated in those games. Um, and they could bring him in to help Josh Allen. And that receiver is Elijah Moore. Um, he's going to be a great fit, extremely versatile, um, potentially could play outside as a receiver, but definitely can play inside and take handoffs from the backfield. Um, it's really a win-win. You got a slam dunk, good player in Elijah Moore. And this is Brandon Bean continuing to prove that he is the best general manager in this division and probably the best the, the best general manager in the NFL other than Leach and Kansas City. Um, I think it's them too, and it's not even close. But I think you add Elijah Moore to Stephon Diggs and – Cole Beasley, I, I was going to say all pro Cole Beasley because he was an all pro. All pro Cole Beasley. I think this is really good for Josh Allen. So we have two picks left in this mock, and we have the Baltimore Ravens who just traded Orlando Brown to the Kansas City Chiefs for pick 31 and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Meigs, I mean, Joe, I'll start with you. You gave Alex Leatherwood at 27 to protect Lamar Jackson. This wide receiver group needs some help. Did you agree and did you go wide receiver? Or did you think a J.K. Dobbins, Najee Harris backfield could work with Lamar Jackson? That would be kind of scary, I think, with them running downfield. I think they're pretty set at running back, but I, I couldn't stop thinking about Lamar's weapons in the past game or lack thereof. Now, they signed Sammy Watkins, but he has a hard time staying on the field. Miles Boykin has been a disappointment thus far as a third-round pick. Devin DuVernay is intriguing, but, but still an unknown. And I really like Marquise Brown, but he's still developing and needs a complimentary piece to bring out the best in him. So with the 27th pick, I'm given, is this the 27th pick? The 31st, 31. The 31st pick, I'm giving Lamar the weapon he's been waiting for, Terrace Marshall, wide receiver out of LSU. And I think when you look at the Ravens wide receiver core, you have the speedster in Hollywood Brown. You have the savvy route runner in Sammy Watkins. And now you give Lamar the big target in Terrence Marshall, right? And I think that's a, it's a really diverse group. And then you still have Mark Andrews. So I think that that works. Meeks, you are on the clock with the, with the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Bucks, And now there was a lot of talk that maybe you could go up. But we did hear from, you know, sources down in Tampa. We heard from John Ledger from Pewter Report that you only had one player on your board. Who is that one player? Did you get him at 32? No, James picked him two picks before. It was Elijah Moore. So screw uh, Brandon Bean. But um, what did Todd Bowles never have in New York? Edge rusher. I'm giving him a all. So I took Aziz Ojolari because I just think he's way, way too good to be this year at the pick. And with that kind of value with the fifth-year option, the rich get richer. Fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> so you've added Aziz to, to this to this front seven that has JPP and has uh, Shaq Barrett and has really good corners and really good safeties and you know the quest for whatever Super Bowl number Brady's chasing begins. Uh, guys, this was great. This is a, a full first round mock. Uh, thank you guys for sticking with us for rocking with us. Uh, we will have, as you guys know, t uh, on Wednesday. Joe, Will, and I will host a Twitter Spaces for the NFL Draft. It'll be thirty. It'll be thirty to forty-five minutes. We'll be taking all your questions. That'll happen on Wednesday. On Thursday, Meigs and I, along with Will, 
And the middle initial podcast are live from Camilla's tasting room on Thursday night for the first round of the mock draft on Friday. James is joining Will for a TOJ Instagram live at 8 30 PM. And then Meigs, James, Joe, and I will go live for day two of the NFL draft. And then Sunday we will have a TOJ draft season megapod with us four, Joe, Will, the hosts of TOJ Live, Stephen Zantz and Stephen Russo, and anybody under the sun that has ever flown the TOJ banner except for traders. We don't do that. But we will have all of all of us together for one megapod that Sunday to review what the Jets did, to grade what the Jets did, and to talk about just what comes next because draft season never ends because then the following, the following episode, we will start looking towards 2022, but guys, thank you so much for rocking with us this draft season so far. It has been a blast. A huge thank you to all our guests for joining us. And we will see you guys Thursday live from Camilla's tasting room for TOJ draft season live.